0: So for those of you who maybe don't know, my name is Ian. I'm the family life pastor here at Epicenter Church. Pastor Mark is out of town with family this weekend, but he's given me the awesome opportunity to stand here in front of you and deliver God's word this morning. It's an opportunity for which I'm incredibly grateful and which I do not take lightly. And so I want to begin this morning while you're still standing to look in the Book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Amen. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It may sound a little different than yours, but it's all God's word. Amen. It says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given to me personally, God, to stand here and deliver your word this morning. I thank you even more, God, for the opportunity you've given to me and everyone else to hear your word this morning. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds and you would pour into us exactly what we need to hear, Jesus. That you would speak through me and allow me to be your vessel this morning, God, that these would not be my words, but they would be yours, speaking directly to the spirits of those who need to hear them this morning. Jesus, we thank you and praise you. And in your name we pray, we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of my message today is very creative. It's called rest. That's it. And this message is going to be a little bit different than uh, than w- the way that I usually preach. Is We're going to take a, a really close look at these three verses that we just read. These verses, for many of you, probably aren't new. You've probably heard them many times before. Maybe this is the first time you've ever you know, had any encounter with these verses, but Either way, I believe that God has something new he wants to speak to us through these verses this morning. But I'm gonna need your help. So if you, you, know, if you hear something that speaks to you, 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 you know, shout it out, say amen, just, just, just let me know. And uh, I've heard these verses many, many times throughout my life. And I recently, though, rediscovered these verses while preparing to preach a message to our students on Wednesday night as part of a series called Help, I'm a Teenager. Y'all know we need lots of help when that's happening, but this series was built on the idea, this, this um, belief that I personally have, that, that life is harder for teenagers right now in this generation than it has ever been before. And that teens need and deserve someone to help them get through it. And, you know, some of the, just a few of the things we talked about in this series that, that teenagers deal with daily, things like stress and anxiety and depression and perfectionism, bully, identity crises, peer pressure, abuse, self-worth issues, social media, and so many more things that that, that they deal with on an on a almost consistent basis. And so we spent several weeks talking about how God can be a help in the face of these things. But as I thought about it, I realized that none of these issues are really exclusive to teenagers. You know, the more time I spend with people of all ages, the more I realize that many of us adults are still just teenagers trapped in older, bigger bodies. And we're still dealing with some of the same issues we have been for decades. And life is just as hard, if not harder, for many of us as it is for our teens. And, you know, this idea that life is hard is not a new one. It's one that people have been talking about for centuries. Some examples from pop culture of the last several generations um, include a quote from Katherine Hepburn say, being quoted as saying, Life is hard. After all, it kills you. Johnny Cash once famously saying, This world is rough. If a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. Still not an excuse to name a, ma- a male child, Sue, but, anyways. Rocky Balboa told us that nothing hits harder than life, and both Jay-Z and Little Orphan Annie told us all about the hard knock life. Honest Abe, even, Honest Abe Lincoln is even quoted as saying, life is hard but so very beautiful. So we mostly understand coming in that life is going to be hard. But if you're anything like me, you, you may not have fully understood that life was going to be this hard. When we, when we were kids dreaming about our futures, we had no idea the difficulties we would face and the problems that we would endure. And, you know, the students who may be in here this morning who, who heard one or all of the messages from our Help, I'm a Teenager series, while I stand by my belief that being a teenager has never been harder and I stand by my belief that Jesus is the answer to your difficulties, I'm here to tell you that in a lot of ways, being adult, an adult will be even harder still. Because on top of the of continuing to struggle with many of the same issues we mentioned just a moment ago. Adulthood brings with it a myriad of new problems, difficulties, and challenges. Things like jobs and mortgages, kids and marriages, debt and financial responsibility, or even just keeping the house clean, the yard mowed, and the dishes dishes washed can feel overwhelming at times. Thank you. And no matter how hard we keep working or pushing to change or improve, life never seems to get any easier, and it's starting to wear us out. Even the happiest, most well-balanced, and most successful among us, most of them have something weighing us down, some kind of struggle or challenge that's gnawing away at us and keeping, or keeping us up at night. So many of us today walked through the doors of this building this morning with an overwhelming feeling that we just need a rest. And that's why the words of, Matthew, of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 were so invigorating to me when I reread them for the first time in a while, several weeks ago. Listen again to verse 28, where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In the face of life's challenges and difficulties, these 2,000-year-old words speak just as loudly and as clearly today as when they were first spoken. Jesus knows the burden that you're carrying. He knows how heavy it is and how often you want to give up. He knows the stress and the pressure that this burden is putting on you. He knows how hard you've been working and how tired you've become. And today, He wants to give you rest. so much depth in these few verses that I want us to break them down piece by piece for just a few minutes. We're going to start with the first part of verse 28. This is the initial call of Jesus to those who are carrying heavy loads. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. We're actually going to go through this first part of verse 28 backwards. So so bear with me. And I actually, if you want to bring that stuff out, and thank you, D. If you want to bring that stuff out, just set it right there for me. All right, cool. So this is going to be our... Good enough. Thank you. All right, this is going to be our burden bag. Just bear with me for just a second, okay? This right here represents our burden bag. Shout out to Epic students, 6th through 12th grade, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. My Epic Summer starts June 6th. This is going to be amazing. Make sure your students are there. Shameless plug over. Anyways. So just kind of bear with me for a few minutes. This... We're going to call this our our burden bag, And, and we're going to look at the part of the verse where Jesus refers to you who carry heavy burdens. These words actually paint a picture of the burdens and pressures that are placed on us by outside forces, whether that's others in our lives, or situations, or circumstances beyond our control. Jesus may have been referencing the burdens of the traditions and rules that the religious leaders of that day would so often put on others, but his words here extend far beyond that. So many of us have felt the weight of the expectations of others. These are our burdens. Just pretend these all weigh like 15, 20 pounds each, okay? It helps with the visual. All right. So the, the weight of the expectations of others. You know, we do everything we can to be the person that we feel like others expect us to be, and yet it never really feels like they're satisfied or like we're able to live up to it. It feels as though we've failed them because we aren't as perfect as we think they wanted us to be. And every time we let them down, that burden becomes just a little bit heavier. Or maybe our burden It has to do with the pain and sorrow that comes as a result of things outside of our control. Perhaps part of your burden comes from the loss of someone close to you. And it's something you've been carrying with you for years or or painful memories about your past that have been inflicted by others. Whatever the source of these feelings, there are days when it can feel impossible to carry them with us and still function in our day-to-day lives because they brings so much grief and pain and sorrow. Or maybe your burden has to do with a situation that you can't seem to escape. Whether it's sickness. Get in there, sickness. Or maybe financial difficulty. Or anything else. You try everything you can, you know, there's just nothing you can do in the face of these things. The the weight of these burdens can make us feel helpless or even hopeless because we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or how or if the situation is ever going to be resolved. And so it continues to put more and more weight on us. And finally, perhaps our burden has to do with the weight of sin and guilt. Maybe there's an area of our lives where we've been struggling for for years and we want to do better, but we just don't seem to be able to do it. We try and try to get better to to do better, but we we don't seem we seem to keep failing at every turn. We feel like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter seven. We don't do what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We do. And the guilt from this kind of constant failure and the shame that comes with it can sometimes feel like our heaviest burden of all. And so our life is loaded up with so many burdens. And then look at this ne- the next part of verse 28 where Jesus refers to you who are weary. Your translation may say you who are tired or you who labor, but no matter which way you read it, it's referring to the same thing. People who are doing everything they can, working as hard as they can to be good enough, but still not measuring up. If, if carrying burdens, if you who carry heavy burdens refers to the burdens placed on us by outside forces, then you who are weary refers refers to the burdens that we place upon ourselves see so many of us place these burdens on ourselves without Really even realizing it, we strive to be the perfect Christian or the, the perfect spouse, the perfect parent or the perfect child, the perfect student or the perfect employee, the perfect friend or the perfect teammate. And whether or not we ever say it out loud, this pursuit of perfection is a goal for each of us, one that we'll, we will never really achieve. And working so hard, laboring so intensively towards the goal that we will never reach can be exhausting, leaving us feeling broken, broken. Tired and weary... We work so hard to make a difference to make an impact and it so often feels like nothing is really changing and then we log on to Instagram and see all the smiling happy faces of our friends and be like man why aren't their lives anywhere near as messed up as mine is we we read their Facebook statuses and see that nobody seems to be dealing with the same issues or difficulties that we are and that it adds even more pressure and stress to our lives cuz we're like well if they can do it so can i i got to be like them i got to be perfect i got to be better and we, 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 we feel like we're giving everything we have to fix our marriage or to pay our bills or to help our kids or to get good grades or even to share God's love with others. And it still feels like we just can't get ahead. Even when we do make progress, it can feel incremental in light of our larger hopes and dreams. And at the end of the day, we just feel so tired until the thing that we're most tired of is being tired, which makes us feel even more tired. But if you think about it, all that weariness, all that tiredness is really our own fault. Because we load up our burden bag with all of this weight. Remember, these things weigh 5 to 20 pounds each. All of this weight. All of these worries. All of these burdens. And then every morning, we strap it on our back. We take the The expectations of others, the pain, the sorrow, the situational difficulty, the guilt. And then we throw on top of that our own internal desire that we can to prove that we're good enough, that we're strong enough to carry all of that alone. And we carry it out there with us into the world every single day. How could we ever expect to be anything but exhausted when we're carrying this huge burden on ourselves every single day and everywhere we go? But right here in Matthew eleven twenty eight, the same verse we've just used to illustrate the problem so many of us are facing, we find the solution to that problem. It's actually found in the first three words that Jesus says in this verse. Come to me. That's it. Is that easy. As much as we've been running around, stumbling and fumbling under the weight of our burdens, the answer has always been as simple as coming to Jesus. But when Jesus says, come to me, it's not a demand, it's an invitation. A request to follow him and allow him to remove our burdens from our lives. Think about for a moment how significant these three words are. So often, right, our instinct is to hide our struggles, and conceal our burdens, pretend like we're not carrying anywhere near as much weight as we are, hoping to get ourselves cleaned up and figured out before we come to Jesus, or before we let the world see what we're dealing with. And yet, here Jesus plainly says, come to me right now. Don't wait, not later, not once you've got it figured out. Come to me now. With all your flaws and all your failures, let me help you Let me restore you, let me heal you, let me give you rest. We're gonna stay on that phrase for another minute because he says, Come to me. The statement in that culture he spoke it would have been cause for a charge of blasphemy because he's saying, Hey, I have what it takes to give you rest. I have what it takes to make you whole. I have what it takes to restore you. He's telling us when he says, come to me, he's telling us that he's the one who is capable of making us whole. We don't deserve access to the throne room of God, and yet he willingly offers it to us. Come to me. Again, he says, come to me. He doesn't say, come to your best friend. He doesn't say, come to your spouse. He doesn't say, come to your internet message board. He doesn't even say, come to church or come to your pastor. He says, come to me. See, at Epicenter Church, we strive to be a place that points others back to the love of Jesus. And as pastors, we do everything we can to live and love in a way that shows people what Jesus is all about. But if you want real peace, real hope, real rest, it's not enough to come to church and hear a sermon. You have to go to the source. And that's why Jesus says, come to me. But it's still an invitation. He won't force you to come to Him. He won't drag you kicking and screaming into the rest that only He can provide. He's not gonna sneak up behind you and chloroform you and drag you over to a couch and lay down and say, Take a little rest, buddy. It's an invitation, it's an offer, not a command. But just because it's an invitation doesn't mean it isn't urgent. Let me say that again. Just because it's an invitation doesn't mean it is an urgency. Jesus knows even better than you do just how desperately we need the kind of rest that only he provides. And he is desperate to give it to us. So he invites us. He urges us to accept his offer by saying, come to me. And as powerful and significant as those three words are, the word he says next is just as important. Let me read the whole verse again so that you don't miss it. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You see it? The next word. Come to me. Who? all of you, not come to me, some of you, not come to me, those of you who've been in church for a long time, not come to me, those of you who don't have any flaws or failures or sin in your life, not come to me, those of you whose burdens are only moderately sized so I can handle those with relative ease, not come to me, those of you whose lives aren't too messy or too screwed up or too broken or too battered, come to me, all of you. See, we have a tendency to convince ourselves that we're just a little more messed up than everybody else, that our dirt is a little dirtier, that our hurt is a little hurtier. That's not a word. (laughs) That our weight is a little heavier. But Jesus refutes this notion straight away by saying, come to me, all of you there's nobody who is disqualified from his invitation because his offer comes without conditions or qualifications it's another way of packaging this same offer he presents throughout the gospels to follow him to enter into a relationship with him to be loved by him to be restored by him to be made new by him there's no exclusions and there's no exemptions it is simply if you're tired come and rest if you're thirsty come and drink if you're broken come and be made new if you're lost come and be found the only condition to receive the rest that he offers is that we be tired and weary and who among us isn't and then we arrive arrive at the second half of verse 28 where Jesus says and I will give you rest in the original Greek the word I is emphasized so we should read it as Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In my notes, that I is bolded, underlined, and italicized because that's how significant. And emphatic this I is. What he's saying here is that he will do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. He will do something for us that no other person on earth can do for us. He is declaring that he will give us the kind of rest that we cannot find anywhere else, the kind of rest that we cannot even imagine, the kind of rest that only he can give. And that's how he ends verse 28 with this powerful promise that is directly tied to the invitation to come to him. I will give you rest. When I hear that word rest, I can't help but think of Sunday mornings growing up. My dad would be sitting in the easy chair. He'd close his eyes. He'd start to drift off. Eventually, we'd hear him snoring. About an hour later, we'd wake him up and be like, Come on, dad, it's time to go. You were sleeping, man. He's like, I wasn't sleeping, I was resting my eyes some good rest bud because you was sawing some logs too but every time I hear rest I think of how deeply my dad slept while he was resting his eyes and as I've gotten older and had my own kids I've, un- I've come to understand just how glorious a Sunday afternoon nap can be but as glorious as those Sunday noo- afternoon naps are This rest is more than that. This rest is more than sleeping six to eight hours a night after a long day just to wake up and do it all over again. This rest is more than going on a week-long vacation and returning to life as usual. This rest is freedom from the worries and stress of life. This rest is finding peace in knowing that we are not alone and that we never have to be again. This rest is that the rest that Jesus offers does more than temporarily alleviate exhaustion. It refreshes our soul. It renews our mind. It restores our hearts. And it reminds us of how great God's love for us is. It makes us whole again, washing away the pain of our past and giving us hope for a brighter future. To partake in this rest, the rest that Jesus offers, is to lay our burdens at his feet and know that we will never have to carry them alone again if we don't want to. When we come to Jesus, we have the opportunity to remove our burdens and lay them at his feet and he will give us rest. This rest is a metaphor for the love and grace and strength and peace and hope and salvation that is only found in Jesus. And all of that and more can instantly be ours if we come to him. This rest is all-encompassing and unlike anything else you have ever experienced. I could spend several more minutes talking about how incredible this rest is. But as awesome as it is, it's only half of Jesus' invitation to rest. And far too often we ignore the other half. See, the rest that Jesus offers in verse 28 is an immediate rest. It refreshes and renews us, giving us the strength to keep going, knowing that we don't have to face life's challenges alone. But many of us stop there. When there's so much more rest to be had. So often we reach this point of exhaustion from carrying our burdens and we answer Jesus' call to come to him and we lay our burdens at his feet and he gives us that immediate rest. He restores us, he refreshes us, he reinvigorates us. And then after a few days, we feel healthy and strong and good and we're like, you know what? Thank you so much, Jesus. You restored my soul. Now I can carry these burdens again. We pick them back up, we strap them back on our shoulder. And we go right back the way we came carrying our burdens back into the world, back into day-to-day life, and we carry them, and eventually they get heavier and heavier and heavier until finally we're so exhausted and weary that we have to once again respond to Jesus' call to come to him and take our burdens off and lay them at his feet, and once again, he gives us rest that's only found in him. He renews our, our soul. He refreshes us. He reinvigorates us, and a few days later, we say, thank you, Jesus, I feel good again. I'm gonna pick my burdens up and be back on my way, and we carry them with us again and again and again and over and over and over again we repeat this cycle carrying our burdens alone until we feel like we can't do it anymore Then we lay them at Jesus' feet we say thank you God so much for setting me free and a few days later we pick them right back up again and go about our business and while the willingness to turn to Jesus in our time of greatest need is so important if that's where we stop we miss out on the deeper layers of rest, the more intimate relationship that Jesus offers each of us. If verse 28 describes an invitation to immediate rest, then verse 29 is a prescription for a lifestyle of prolonged rest. It says, Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, and because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. First few times I read this, it seemed like a contradiction. Jesus closes verse twenty-eight by saying, "I will give you rest," but then his next words in verse twenty-nine are, "Take my yoke upon you." And what? You just said you give me rest, and now you tell me to take my yoke upon you. And I remember the first time I read this word, one of the when I was a teenager, one of the first times I read this passage. First thing I thought is, I read this word yoke, and I thought of that yellow stuff in an egg. It's Like what? Wait, God wants me to rub egg all over me? That's weird. And then I realized that that word is spelled Y O L K, and I'd technically been pronouncing it wrong my entire life. Yolk. And uh, so then I then I kind of reconfigured my brain, if you will, and I figured out that he's referring to the apparatus that farmers would use to train oxen and other animals. Uh, as they plowed their fields, there's a, a picture of kind of what a yoke looks like for those of you who maybe still aren't tracking. But the next thing that I thought about is, well, that sucker looks heavy. I don't think I want to carry that. Like, you just told me you're going to give me rests and lay my burdens down. You don't even pick up that thing? That ox looks like he's struggling under that thing, man. I'm no ox. I went to the gym one time, and the lady told me I had the perfect frame for spinning. I can't carry that thing. (laughs) But before you jump to that conclusion that you're better off just carrying the burdens that you already have, let me explain to you the significance of what Jesus is really saying here. He's actually using a play on words because his original audience would have understood that the word yoke, in addition to referring to the, the apparatus for the oxen, was also used to, ref- to refer to the teachings of a specific rabbi or teacher. So you have the yoke of Rabbi Harris and the yoke of Teacher Jones. Or those are not biblical names, please forgive me. But even more than that, they would have known that when training a new animal, such as an ox, to plow ancient farmers would often yoke it to an older, stronger, more experienced animal who would bear the burden and guide the young animal through the learning process. So armed with that knowledge, when we hear these words again, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you. We see that Jesus is offering to walk alongside us and lead us and let us learn from him on a daily basis. He wants us to follow him and constantly and consistently become more like him. He wants to be our go-to, not only when we're desperate for help and rest, but also when we need wisdom to make an important decision. He doesn't want to be there for us only when we're desperate. He wants to be there for us every single day. And in reality, This concept of taking his yoke and letting him teach us is another invitation. And it comes with another promise attached. As Jesus says at the end of verse 29, And you will find rest for your souls. This is not the same kind of rest that Jesus promised in verse 28. There are different kinds of rests which are accessed in different ways. The rest in verse 28 is what I would call a saving rest. It's given freely to all who come to Jesus. There's no conditions or qualifications, and the only action required on our part is to come to Jesus, to believe that he can give us that rest, and he will instantly give it to us. This kind of rest represents our being declared righteous in God's sight by grace through faith. But... The rest that Jesus promises in verse 29 is what I would call a saving, a serving rest, because it will be found when we take his yoke upon ourselves and serve him. This kind of rest requires action on our part. As we follow Jesus and learn from him in order, to find this rest. It represents our being made more like Jesus as we follow Him and surrender to His ways. See, the immediate saving rest of verse 28, which is freely given to all who come to Jesus, serves as the foundation on which we can build a lifestyle of prolonged serving rest that we will find as we follow Jesus and become more like Him. To have both kinds of these Both of these kinds of rest together is to know that we will never have to bear our burdens alone and that through serving God as part of His purpose and plan for our lives, we can experience the peace and joy that comes from surrendering to Him and knowing that He is in control. So often, when we think of the saving rest of verse 28, we think of laying our burdens at Jesus' feet and walking away, saying, I'm going to go plop on the couch and play Xbox, Jesus. You take care of them burdens. I'm out, homie. We think, we're tempted to think that when we lay our burdens at Jesus' feet, that means we'll never have another burden to carry again. But that's simply not true. See, when we lay our burdens at his feet, he will absolutely help us remove and eliminate some of the burdens that we don't need. He'll help free us from the burden of the expectation of others. He will, he will set us free from the burden of our guilt and shame. He can help set us free from the pain of our past and the hold that that has over us. He can set us free from, from the worry and the anxiety that seems to overwhelm us every single day. But, but there will still be situations and circumstances that are beyond our control we will still experience difficulty. We will still experience pain and loss. Those things are simply part of life. On top of that, we will still have responsibilities as parents, as employees, as leaders, as Christ followers. We have things that we are called and obligated to do in those roles, and with those responsibilities comes weight. So when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. He's not saying we'll never have to carry another burden. Come on, Jacob. What he's saying is, when you come to me, I will give you rest. I will eliminate all of the burdens that you've been carrying around that you don't have any need for. I'll eliminate all of the the, 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 the worry about the, the opinions of others and all these other things. But there's still going to be weight. There's still going to be a burden. And that's the freedom that comes from taking his yoke upon us. Because let me remind you. When training a new ox, they would strap it to an older, wiser, more experienced ox to do what? Bear the weight of the burden. So when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, he's saying, I'll eliminate all the things you don't need to carry. And then he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, you'll never, the stuff you have to carry, you'll never have to carry alone. any difficulty that you walk through any challenge that you face any any um situation that you encounter i'll be hand in hand with you helping you bear the load of the burden and at times where it seems too difficult put the weight on me and i'll carry it for you until we get through it that's what it means to take his yoke upon us and to learn from him stand on your feet for just a moment, if you would. That's the beauty of this invitation. Immediate saving rest and prolonged serving rest. We'll never have to bear those burdens on our own. But I love the way that Jesus closes out this invitation in verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. We already understand what he means by the burden he gives us being light. He removes all the extemporaneous baggage that, that we don't have to carry. But he says, for my yoke is easy to bear. This is so powerful because the word that we translate as easy can also mean well-fitting. Well-fitting. And in Jesus' day, ox yokes were made of wood. And they were carefully adjusted so that it would fit well and not hurt the neck of the patient beast. The The yoke was tailor made to each individual ox. This means that Jesus doesn't just give us a one size fits all kind of rest, it means that he knows you. He understands your burdens and the weight that you walked in here with this morning. He wants to walk alongside you and help you and give you the rest in a way that is perfectly designed for you. Your problems are different than my problems. Your burdens are different than my burdens. And Jesus looks directly into the heart of the matter and says, Look, I've got a yoke exactly and precisely designed for you. I've looked into your heart. I know what you're struggling with. I know what kind of rest you need. And all you've got to do is come to me.